action. What's going on? Welcome to the Week Year Roundup with Ben and Parker. Yeah, excited to be back. Week two. Uh, to start the show today, we've got an interview with Evan Deer, the third co-founder of Scholars, his first time in the limelight with us. So excited to bring him on and uh, learn how we learn or learn how he landed his first internship that he got in college. Cool. So let me get Evan in the Zoom here. Obviously, virtual environment. Um, let me let him in, and we'll get the show on the road. All right, let's do it. Can you hear us? Yep. You sound good. What's going on, Evan? How are you? How's Welcome. Going, Parker? You know, it's, it's an honor to be here, fellas. Appreciate you having me. Okay. So I guess just to start, like, give us your background. Obviously, we know it, but fill the people in on kind of where you went to school and what you studied and kind of your focus while you were in college. Yeah, so I went to Rhodes from 2012 to 2016. Uh, I studied computer science, started off physics, but then switched over the second semester of my freshman year to uh, computer science. And that was really the focus. I, I immediately started working and like developing websites and things like that. And I, I did a lot of work in the community as well. So part of my scholarship was I worked with a lot of nonprofits in the Memphis area. And as soon as they heard computer science, immediately they wanted help with their website and the other technical things. So I, I started developing pretty early on, um, was able to kind of get technical skills and create websites. But that's kind of my uh, entry. And so my first two years, I had a scholarship program where I had to do a, like summers of service. So I actually didn't have any internships my first two years, but that was a part of it. Got to work with nonprofits there. And then my junior year was when I had my first official internship with Service Master. Nice. And what what'd you do at Service Master? Yeah. So I actually got to be integrated with a team, which was great. So I looked at FedEx and Service Master. I knew I wanted to be in the in Memphis for that summer, but essentially I got fully integrated within the team and they were able to, it was mostly front end web development for the most part. Cool. Can you walk us through kind of like the process from applying to the internship, to the interview, to actually deciding to, or getting the offer and then deciding to accept it? Yeah, it was relatively, uh, the, the interview process wasn't super technical. They really just wanted to ask about my experience at Rhodes, classes I had taken, and kind of my interest in Service Master specifically. So I think it was, it was they knew that it was going to be an internship experience where a lot of the people they hired weren't going to have all of the exact skills, but they were prepared to train and teach and had a great program to onboard everybody. Um, so that was, the interview process was just a screen call at the beginning and then and bear with me, this has been a few years, but uh, it, it was a screen and then the, it was an on-site interview actually for um, the second round, but they, again, it wasn't super technical and they wanted to learn about my ability to, how I executed at school, talked about more of my resume and kind of more of me as a person, less about my technical skills. Did you, did you go through the whole process with FedEx too or no? So I did, they didn't have any on-site. I did get the offer there, but they just had a very different program in terms of what the job looked like for the summer there. So instead of doing Service Master was they integrated you with a specific team, you the full agile scrum process, you were a part of a scrum team, which I really liked that option. But then I had a lot of friends who did FedEx, which was 
great for them, but it was more so a summer group. Like you create a team with other interns and you work on bigger picture projects that could potentially be adopted by the company or it, but it's, you were less integrated with the higher ups it seemed like, which I, I thought there was some value in getting to work with a scrum team and people who've been at the company for a long time. So that's why I chose service master. For sure. You was, got any questions? Yeah. I mean, just lastly, were there, was there anything that you can look back on that you learned during your service master internship that you utilize in your day-to-day work, obviously now kind of leaving the engineering team at scholars? Yeah, I think there was a ton of value. One, learning the process of working with other developers was really valuable in, in kind of being at the bottom end of the totem pole, I think always provides value. And then also just from a design perspective, there's a lot of skills and tools for web development that I got to utilize and build. I, I think it was a very hands-on experience where I, I got to build some pretty high level tools, even as an intern. And, and I think that's something that, you know, carried over and I learned a lot of processes and really just how a company can function at, you know, that scale and kind of some of the technical issues they ran into. I think there's a lot of value in having been a part of a, kind of a cog in a machine. And, and I think that kind of helps my development and hiring. And, you know, now we're, that we're growing, I think there's a lot of value in getting to see a much larger entity, you know, work. Um having gone through like the interview process with service master and FedEx and now being on the other side, actually hiring people for scholars. Um, obviously it sounds like service master wasn't, it was an internship. So it was a little different, but they weren't looking as much for your technical skills. It sounds like they were more so interested in you as a person. Um, how do you feel like, like, what are you looking for now? as we're hiring kind of entry level engineers that might be helpful for some of the people who are listening to this. Right. Well, I think there's two levels. It, it is challenging. There's a lot of different ways to figure out if someone has technical skills and there, there are interview questions to just got to kind of get an idea for like, are you familiar with a certain language? Um, I think that I was appreciative, especially at the time that it wasn't heavily technical because they were looking more so for someone it, the internship program, I think, was their vetting process because they really used that to give offers afterwards. And, you know, I, I did receive an offer from them afterwards, which kind of showed them like, hey, you had a lot of growth. We saw your development, which they think will also, you know, potentially lead to you being a great um, employee. But what I'm looking for and what I've, you know, kind of utilized is I, I do want to see someone who's excited. We're a smaller team that's growing fast. So they need to be, you know, excited about our mission and our vision. And I think that carries a lot of weight, but then there is a little bit more technical requirement since we all are a smaller team and we need someone who can join and deliver, you know, a little bit quicker than a bigger company like service master is allowed to do. I think they have the ability to like, if they need to train you for a month and you really need to integrate into the team, they've probably already budgeted that into any future hires. So that's probably a little bit of the difference is we have to get someone up and running a little bit faster. Yeah. Cool. It makes sense. Always interested to hear the difference between like hiring at a startup versus a fortune 500 or fortune a thousand company. Um, cool. Well, known you for a long time. First time I've ever heard that, uh, story as in depth as this. So thanks. Yeah. Evan, thanks for joining. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye. Cool. That was great to talk to Evan.
Yeah, always good. Yeah, I learned about really his story. Um, I think that as you look at uh, a student evaluating opportunities, whether they're interning at a small or large company is something that students tear with a bunch. And so hopefully Evan's experience kind of shed some light for students. He took what he learned at a larger company and now is obviously heading up our engineering team, one of our co-founders at Scholars. Um, and is really, I would say, taking some skills from that into it. Yeah, I wonder how... Um kind of surprising that service master just hires engineer. I mean, I know they're interns, but hires them with like zero technical interviews. I don't think that's uh, widely spread. No, I don't think so either. Interesting. Um, cool. Well, let's get into the uh, program highlights. So I'll start. Goldman Sachs came out, um, I guess maybe a couple of days ago now, said that their summer internship was going to be in person this summer. Um, one of the first big companies I've seen that's already made that announcement. I think they're doing a, a week like virtual training and then everything's in person. Um, from what I can tell, it sounds like if you're not comfortable going back in person yet or can't travel or whatever, I think there is going to be some like virtual components, but interesting. I, I mean, first big company that's going back. So maybe that's going to be the trend for some other larger companies or smaller companies even. Yeah, I guess we'll see how it plays out. Certainly. Uh, the program I want to highlight is Paychex. Uh, it's an up and coming early career program. Katie over there has a lot of experience actually on the educational side of uh, a student's career search process in, uh, within academia that she takes and uh, utilizes in her recruiting approach and process, which has really allowed her to use content that relates to practical advice of bridging the gap between uh, education and your career. And I think that she's doing a really good job. I know that their early career team is growing. Their program is growing. They're really looking for hungry individ individuals to come on and really want to make an impact and take what they learn in their internship and be able to apply it to their uh, education as well. So good as them. Yeah, definitely. I know we've written some articles about paychecks and talked about them on our blog, but definitely a cool kind of early program that you may or may not think of as a student when you're thinking about your dream internship, um, but definitely a great option and definitely one to consider um, applying to for sure. Um, cool. Well, my favorite segment now coming up, um, I know you know Carrie a little bit better than me, so if you want to intro her and then we'll cut to that and uh, get grilled with some interview questions. Yeah, no, we're going to be bringing on Carrie, who heads up university recruiting at Dick Sporting Goods, who's going to give us a quick overview of their program, uh, what they look for in early career talent hires, both in store and in corporate, and then allow her to tell and, and ask Ben her hardest interview question and then shed us with some light as to how she would approach answering that question as well. So we'll cut to that and hear from Carrie here. Jeez, yeah, a little nervous, but here we go. Harry, thanks so much for joining us. For all of our listeners, could you give us your role, uh, your background, who you work for, and kind of an overview of the program that you're on? Thanks for having me here today. I'm excited. My name is Carrie Weisel. I'm the manager of university relations for Dick's Sporting Goods. We're headquartered in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but you might see our storefronts all across the country. You'll find us in 47 states. I currently oversee all of our early career talent programs, which include internship opportunities, as well as entry-level training programs. 
Our internships range from anything in technology with software engineering, UX design, to a lot of different business opportunities, including merchandising, as well as finance, marketing, supply chain, you name it, we likely have it in the retail industry. From a full-time training programs perspective, we have a variety of opportunities that you can join us in. All of them are rotational in nature, and at the end of the program, you do get placed as a full-time employee at our corporate office here in Pittsburgh. Sweet. All right. Well, if I wanted to, uh, if I wanted to interview for one of those positions, um, let's get into that and fire away an interview question. All right. So, are you ready for this interview question? Uh, as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> All right. So, Ben, describe a past success or failure. What did you learn from the experience, and how have you applied what you learned? All right. Um, well, in school, our junior year, we started our first company together. It was called Quick Fix. We basically were matching up students with people in the community to go do um, odd jobs and chores. Um, that business as a general or in general failed. Um, and so as far as a failure, I would say that we just couldn't get it really off the ground outside of uh, Memphis and couldn't end up really scaling it. Um, as far as what I learned, I mean, what didn't I learn? I learned how to actually build a company, how to raise money, how to communicate with Parker and 5,000 college students. So we had working for us. Um, so I think communication really was the biggest thing and kind of learned how that was honestly, regardless of what I was going to do, um, whether it was start a second company or go get a job, um, being able to communicate both written and kind of orally talking to people, um, was really going to make me successful kind of regardless of whatever skills I felt like I needed in that job. How's that? Look at that. And now you have, you still have a business with Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Business number two. Um, hopefully this one does a little better. It seems to be so far. <laughs> and Carrie, I'd love for your opinion on, from your perspective, are there things you're looking for in an answer or an approach that you would recommend a candidate, a student take if they get that interview question? Absolutely. And Ben, you actually hit it on the nail. I think most students and I think even professional hires fall prey to this question and avoid talking about a failure. They, you know, in an interview, you're told to really promote yourself and sell yourself and they avoid having that vulnerable conversation with the interviewer. So I think one of the really great things is that you highlighted a time where maybe things didn't go as, as planned. Um, and I think it's important to think about um, okay, so I, I failed, but now I know what I did wrong. I've acknowledged it. I'm self-aware and I've made those changes in my life now. And here's the tangible steps I took to take those learnings and make them actions to be successful in the future, right? To not fall prey to that same failure. Um, and I think that's something that speaks volumes about the candidate. It's one of the questions we asked really looking for the humility of a, of a student or of a hire, um, because I think there's something um, really just telling about someone who's willing to to be that vulnerable in, a, in an interview with us. Yeah, that makes sense. It's actually one of our kind of like core values. We're starting to hire a lot of people now at Scholars. And one of the biggest things for us is like being willing to 
fail as long as you just don't do the same thing over and over again. I mean, that's the definition of whatever being like a crazy person doing the same thing over and over again. Exactly. Exactly. You got, you got time for one more. I want to, I want you to ask Parker one too. Oh, now I need a second one to ask. Okay. Um, here, uh, Parker's going to get the harder one. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh goodness. <laughs> All right. Give me one second so I can pull this up so I don't butcher it. Oh, no worries. And then, if you have five minutes after that, I'll ask you the one that I asked Parker last week. All right. If you were shrunk to the size of a quarter and put into a blender, how would you get out? <laughs> you definitely got the harder one. <laughs> if I was shrunk into the size of a quarter and put into a blender, how would I get out? If I was... If I was shrunk to the size of a quarter and put into a blender, how would I get out? I would uh, look for a an object or an opportunity to gain some semblance of a vantage point uh, to try to determine an escape route if I was put there by someone someone else um, as well. I would also look around my surroundings and try to figure out what I could utilize at my disposal to help me overcome, obviously, the situation. And I think that that mindset um, could even apply larger to how I look to operate just in a, in a work environment. If I'm in a situation that seems like I, I'm vulnerable and I, I can't get out, looking around you and being open to, to listen for, or for feedback or for opportunities to try to pull myself out of the blender if I'm shrunk to the size of a quarter uh, would, mental, would mentally kind of be my approach. Yeah, and I think, I think the most important thing when a question, a logic question like that comes about for a student is really taking a step back and saying, what put me in this situation, right? How do I assess the problem statement at hand? Um, because you might not actually come to an actual conclusion of how you're going to get out of the blender, right? But are you logically thinking through the different options you might be able to come up with to get yourself out of there? And I think um, you hit the nail on the head too. We talk a lot about um, your career path being kind of like a rock climbing wall. And the first step of when you want to become a rock climber is you stand down at the bottom, right? And you assess what route you want to take to be successful, um, and I think that's something that's really important when you hit those road bumps or, or those hiccups where problems are um, a little bit more gray. <laughs> what, are, what are your opinions on, I caught myself thinking a lot. I clearly was trying to fill space with words. It's okay for a student to take, is it 30 seconds? Is it a minute to think about their answer before they respond to a logical a logic question like that in the interview it is absolutely okay to take a moment to think about how you want to even start your approach right the last thing you want to do is feel like you have to answer immediately and then you start climbing yourself down a rabbit hole um, i think the interviewer will appreciate that you took some time to collect your thoughts and then after 30 seconds if you're still not sure how you want to begin you can start to just share like what's first coming to mind, right? Like what are you, what are you stuck on? What's like, even ask questions back, right? Maybe that interviewer is actually open to saying like, 
oh, you were put there yourself or, you know, oh, someone put you there because of X, Y, Z, right? So don't be afraid to then question the person back. Um, and they might be willing to give you some feedback as to how you got there, because that's actually what we're looking for. Are you able to question back? Like, what's the problem at hand? I like that. Definitely. No, thanks. That's <laughs> I definitely would not have asked a question back. Yeah, see, I don't think I would have asked a question back myself at first hand. Yeah. And I caught myself kind of in a pause mentally trying to think. So, Whew. All right. Well, uh, again, two weeks in a row now proving that I'm definitely more qualified to do this than I am uh, to go try to get a job at one of these companies that we're talking about. Yeah, and it's so interesting to hear from Carrie how intentional they are about utilizing content in making their brand and the stories of employees that interns are going to be working with public. Obviously, it's always fun to hear the hardest interview question. I chuckle every time that uh, you get asked one of those. But thanks again to Carrie. That was really good information. Um, I guess we'll go now to the best thing that we saw on LinkedIn this week. I'll start. Um, it's cool to see so many people in the university recruiting world who are going to be attending the URX Forward event. So many of our colleagues, even being speakers at this event, where they're going to be talking about uh, everything as it relates to what is the the future of campus hiring and, and campus events that we have been nimble to um, navigate as a student and as an employer uh, over the last year. Um, it'll go back even more so. I, I'm sure that people are going to be talking about Goldman Sachs, who we mentioned earlier in the episode. Going in person, um, what is hiring and campus events going to look like in this upcoming fall? Um, so excited to see from them uh, ultimately everything that they're chatting about. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting. And I think if you're a student and have time, I would suggest tuning in. I think you're going to get a lot of insight into how companies of all shapes and sizes are kind of thinking about recruiting for 2021 and um, whether they're going to be on campus or virtual or a hybrid and um, could definitely learn a lot from tuning into that. Um, I'm going to highlight Stephanie Nusi. I think that's how you pronounce it. Not really sure. She started a thing called Max Up, um, but she posted about she applied to a job at Apple um, and was rejected by them back actually. But what she did was she stayed in touch with the recruiter who ended up being the one who called her and said, we're not going to hire you. Um, she stayed in touch with her for sounds like a couple years um, and probably even to this day afterwards. And what happens is um, she said one day the recruiter reached out and said, why don't you try tech again? I know some roles. And she ended up basically helping her get a job at Google um, or an internship at Google. So it just kind of speaks to like, Hearing no is always hard. Um, telling someone no is, is also hard, um, but it doesn't mean that it's the end of the relationship. And sometimes the people who are the ones who, you know, have to deliver that news can, you know, be the most helpful to you in, in your career, in life in general. It's hard to, it's hard to think about recruiters as human, but there is a human element to the recruiting process and speaks directly to that the recruiter who's having to tell you no doesn't necessarily like telling you no and ultimately they're going to want to help you that's just human nature in the sense we've heard it from recruiters a lot that they ultimately want to make sure that all students are successful and that's why they got into the field of recruiting um so that's a great story i really like that yeah 100 um 
So to wrap up, we've got two questions from students. Um, actually, the first question, we got a great answer from Colin McAvoy, uh, does employer branding at Workday. So I think we'll read the question and let him answer that one. Um, so that question was, I'm currently doing an internship. How do I tell my manager that I'm interested in a full-time role? Um, Colin gives a great answer here. So we'll, we'll cut that clip in and, and let him kind of answer that one. Yes. Excellent question. Well, the first thing that I would say is don't worry about too much as to what hasn't happened yet, meaning a potential full-time job. Your focus should be dedicated to the work that's currently at hand, because if you don't do the work now, you're probably not going to be considered for, for that full-time role down the road. So the first piece of advice that I would give is don't focus too much on the end game, focus what's right on your plate right now. And if you knock that out of the park, chances are your manager or you know, perhaps someone else within the, within the company or within your team is going to make, uh, is going to take note and potentially consider you for a full-time job if and when one becomes available. So the, my first piece of advice, don't focus too much on what hasn't happened yet. What's happening right now is that you have this awesome internship and an awesome opportunity to prove yourself. Now, when you do have that conversation um, with your hiring manager, first off, you absolutely should. You absolutely need to express your interest in being part of this company if you really enjoy yourself um, doing this kind of work and this team. Let them know that, yes, I want to be a part of this team full time. What can we do about it? So let's say you've proven yourself. You've absolutely rocked it. Express your interest and it's okay to say, I want to be a part of this team. What are your full-time job opportunities looking like? And certainly there's a strong possibility that there might not be an immediate opening on this particular team, but chances are, if you really prove yourself, your manager might say, you know what? I know another team that has an open role. I think you'd be great for it. I'd be more than happy to make a recommendation or maybe perhaps um, make an introduction so you can have a conversation with that manager as well. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that if you are interested, you absolutely should express your interest because, and that I didn't mention this before, your competition, other interns, they're going to be fighting tooth and nail just like you to get those full-time roles. And as you can imagine, there are not enough roles, full-time roles for every intern. So make it a point, make it a constant or a consistent talking point when you have your conversations with your managers that yes, if you are really, really interested in this team and the company and the work that you're doing, let them know, hey, I would absolutely love to stay on if an opportunity became available and presented itself. What can I do? Um, I guess that would be my best advice. Um, be open and honest, transparent about what you want, but work hard and focus on what's at hand. Good luck. Um, and then the second question from students this week was, what are your opinions on boot camps versus traditional colleges? Um, and I know this is something we've talked about, um, but it would just be interested to hear kind of what you think. Yeah, I would say that in more of my conversations, I'm hearing that companies are open to what we would consider as non-traditional path careers. Uh, what I mean by that is not having a four-year degree, but having certification from a boot camp in engineering or in sales or in marketing. And it's becoming more widely accepted by employers 
to actually seek out students that are attending boot camps because at the end of the day, um, regardless of if you why you're attending that boot camp, whether it's by choice or not, companies want the most qualified applicant. And at the end of the day, it's it's great to see that employers, I would say, are now more than ever um, being more widely accepted to students, early career applicants, really just any applicant that doesn't have a, a traditional college education. Yeah, for sure. Um, it almost sounds like from the conversations we've had that it's one of their like hiring goals is to, you know, they've got all the different initiatives and places and people that they want to hire. And it's starting to pop up more that they're targeting these boot camps as one path or, or one place where they're looking for candidates. I mean, I would say realistically in 2021 and probably for the next five years at least could be shorter, I guess. Um, it's definitely scary to just like not go to a four year school still. Um, I think there are people doing it and proving that it can work, but I also understand like that because it's untraditional, it's definitely a little bit scary to take that leap. So one, I think you can do a boot camp on top of a traditional school. And I think it'll help you learn a lot of like more practical skills probably, but also that just like willingness to go that extra step will speak volumes on your resume. Um, and then Google just launched all their free like training programs. So you don't even have to pay money for it anymore. And so even if it's just like something to put on your resume, um, on top of going to traditional school, I mean, I think it's worth it just because I think they're teaching more practical skills that you can use like in a job or an internship. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Cool. Um, well, that was the uh, weekly roundup from this week. Another good one. Yeah. Thanks again to Evan, Carrie, and Colin for all of their insight. We love bringing in other people's voices and opinions to shed light on everything that we're hearing from our listeners. Uh, so feel free to ask us questions as well as we continue to do this. Our whole goal in all of this, obviously, is for me to you, me and you to touch base, see what's been going on in, in our worlds, but also at the end of the day, hope to provide some insight or some good tidbits of information from just the general industry. Yeah, 100%. So full video will be on YouTube, audio on all the podcast channels, and then we'll be posting um, some fun kind of tidbits and clips on our personal LinkedIn. So be sure to uh, follow all that and be back next week. Yep. See you, everyone.